It's good to see you guys. Good morning to you. Hope you guys are all doing well, enjoying this beginning of summer. I, d- I don't want to tell you that the uh, longest day happened a few days ago and it's all downhill from here. I'm not going to talk about that at all. We're gonna see, yeah, I know, right? It's, that is deserving of booze right there. We're just going to enjoy what we do have uh, right now. I have uh, one announcement. Uh, that is uh, that Brandon and Jesse Parsons are expecting a child uh, around Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, no babies were born this last week, so we took the week off as a church from that. Uh, so nothing announced that way, but uh, one is coming in December. And so if you see Brandon and Jesse or even Dave and Sherry or any of the Parsons family, you can congratulate them uh, at, at some point. Um, open your Bibles to Second Peter. Let's just jump into Second Peter. We are going to start talking about false prophets and false teachers. And we're going to be doing this for a few weeks uh, intermittently throughout uh, the summer. Uh, so really this morning is just a time to introduce to you the, the topic of uh, false prophets and what Peter has to say concerning that. He spends an entire chapter, chapter two, in that. And uh, we want to make sure that we give it the, the right amount of time that it deserves and needs for us to get a full understanding of what Peter has to say. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll be spending quite a bit of time in chapter two. You guys are thinking that's no surprise. Um, so let me just read. I'm, I, I'm, I'm tempted to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read verses one to three uh, this morning. I'll, I'll, I trust you guys will, will do the rest of the reading um, in your own time. But let me just read one to three. We'll be spending all of our time in, in those verses this morning. And then I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll see what God has to say to us this morning. So it says, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words." Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Our Heavenly Father, we trust and we believe that by your Spirit, you will teach us new things, remind us of old things, and in all of it, Lord, you will embed these words deep into our heart for transformation to become more like your Son, Jesus Christ. So we commit this time of study to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In 79 AD, the mighty Mount Vesuvius exploded and destroyed Pompeii. I actually had an opportunity not uh, about 10 or 15 years ago to to go and walk the city of Pompeii and, and to see the destructive ruins that happened there. Many of you know the story of what happened to Pompeii. Some estimate that over 15,000 people were killed because of the volcanic eruption. They're saying that this shouldn't have been a surprise to many of the residents. It should not have been sudden at all. Days before the deathly disaster, there were signs from nature that people surely missed. The grounds repeatedly shook for short durations for several days while the mountains made, un, made an unusual sound. 
The sea around the city gave out boiling water and the animals ran from the land. Domestic animals, even leaving their homes, are at least trying to escape. Yet despite these obvious signs, the people of Pompeii lived in oblivious life until the, fr- the fateful day. When Peter wrote this book in First and Second Peter, he wanted the believers to make sure that they did not live oblivious to the dangers of false teachers around them. He wanted to make sure that the Christians were equipped and ready to live a life of holiness, knowing that there will be those who will try to distort their thinking and destroy their soul. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, we looked at it already that, 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 that uh, Peter talks about a roaring lion that is seeking someone to devour. And so Peter wants to make sure that we're not living oblivious to the reality that there are those who are trying to lure you away from the faith. Peter doesn't want the Christian to think that everyone who claims a word from the Lord or everyone who teaches about God is speaking God's truth. He doesn't want us oblivious to the reality that there are those who are cunning and smart, enticing, attractive, yet they are liars, deceivers, money makers, who work in secret, who are popular, who know how to attract a crowd, who know how to manipulate your mind and your feelings, and the result of following such false teachers leads to destruction. In fact, all of chapter 2 is a reminder of the fate of a false prophet and a false teacher. In fact, just look at it with me. In verse 1, it says that these people, they deny the master who brought them, and what? Bringing, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 3, at the end of verse 3, it says their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. In verses 4 all the way down to verse 10 is an illustration of God's wrath upon the ungodly. He, he talks about uh, the days of Noah. He talks about the angels, the ungodly angels. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. He talks about their, their, their judgment that would come upon them. In verse 4, it says that, that they will cast them into hell and into condemnation. In verse 6, it says that he condemned them to distinction. It says that there is punishment until the last day of judgment. In verse 6, it says that these are an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. In verse 9, he goes on, he says that, that uh, there will be punishment until the day of judgment. In verse 12, it says that they will be caught and destroyed. It says that they will be destroyed in their destruction. In verse 14, he calls them accursed children. In verse 17, he says the gloom of utter destruction has been reserved. In verse 19, he says that they're slaves of corruption. What is Peter wanting to make sure that we understand about false teachers and those who follow them? There is a day reserved for them of judgment and utter destruction. He only has three chapters in this letter, and he devotes one on false teaching and false prophets. He wants to wake us up to the reality that there are those who are trying to pull you away from the faith, and that their destruction or their their judgment is coming, just like it was for the angels, just like it was excuse me, for the fallen angels, just like it was for the people of Noah, just like it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. False prophets of today, false teachers of today will also be judged. 
And we live, church, we live in an era where the common Christian is unable to discern between truth and error, a false teacher from a true teacher. We become so tolerant of all different kinds of doctrine and all different kinds of theology. We have we've settled for less Bible knowledge and more self-help and more emotional feelings that we cannot even identify a false teacher if they're standing up in front of us. And this happens because the church has stopped teaching the Bible. This happens when churchgoers are just tolerant of every kind of view. This happens when the culture decides what the church is going to stand for. And because of that, we have a generation of Christians who are more susceptible to false teachers than ever before. And we need this reminder. We need to spend time reminding ourselves that not everyone who has a pulpit, not everyone who has lots of followers, not everyone who has a a vibrant social media platform is a preacher and true teacher of the Word of God. We need to notice who these false teachers are. We need to have our spiritual antennas up in these days. We can no longer say that these people are well-intentioned, well-mannered. They have no idea what they're doing. We can no longer say they're just doing their best. They have a good heart. We can no longer say those things. From the very beginning, a false teacher and what they teach is designed to destroy. That's why they're called false teachers. We can't be like the people of Pompeii oblivious to the tremors of their teaching. And so what Peter does for us then is he gives to us, in the first three verses, he gives us seven features of false teachers. What we're going to do is we're going to unmask them. It's going to take us a little while, but we're going to unmask them. We're going to get to the first two this morning, and then we'll walk through the rest of them because we need to make sure that we understand this. The first one is this, the first feature of a false teacher is this, their arrival is assured. Look what it says in verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. What Peter does here in chapter 1 is he spends the entire chapter making sure that we understand four different things, that we understand, number one, matters of salvation, verses 1 and 2, that we understand matters of sufficiency, verses 3 and 4, that we understand matters of sanctification, verses verses 6 all the way down to verse 15, and that we understand matters of Scripture in verses 16 to 21, all of that leading up to being able to discern a false teacher when we see one. Peter puts a premium on understanding the Word of God a premium on knowing the word of God, because if you don't know the word of God, you will be susceptible to the dangerous teaching of false prophets. So he reminds us in verse 16, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths. We didn't follow the false teachings and the false prophets. Rather, we submitted ourselves to the authoritative word of God. Verse 20, knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Verse 21, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
Then he comes to chapter 2 and he says this. We submitted ourselves to the Word of God. We know the Word of God. We know that it came from God and it didn't come from man. But chapter 2, verse 1, it says there in sharp contrast to that, in the exact opposite of what I just said, there will be those who will rise up among you. False prophets have always been around since there was a genuine prophet. Where God's truth is present... A counterfeit is not far behind. In fact, if you go all the way back with me, as he says there, they, they rose among the people. He's talking about Israel, verse there, chapter 2 and verse 1, that first verse line. The warning signs in the Old Testament of false prophets. If you would, look back with me in Deuteronomy chapter 13 to the seriousness of a false prophet. And I just kind of want to walk through a few verses here that talk about the warnings of false prophets and what they do. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, in verse 1, when it comes to a false prophet, this is what the Lord said that they're to do with them. If verse 1 of a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Verse 5, but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Why? Because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God. This is what false teachers do. They actually teach rebellion against the Lord your God. If you look over in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and, uh, and verse 20, it says a similar saying that you shall put to death anybody who preaches or teaches a false prophecy. In Ezekiel 13, 9, it says a similar thing. And in Lamentations 2 and verse 14, again, talking about false prophets, and we'll go back to the Old Testament, but jump forward then into the New Testament where Jesus comes and he says the same thing, that false prophets and false teachers will arise among you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 in, in verse 5. Jesus warns of false prophets. He says this, for many will come, verse 5, 24, verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Verse 11, and many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. Verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders Perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. In Mark 13, 22, it says the same thing. We'll look later in, in Acts 20, but flip over to Romans chapter 16 when the apostle Paul begins now to warn people again of these false prophets and of these false teachers. In Romans chapter 16, very last chapter of the book of Romans Verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create, create obstacles contrary 
to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but what? But their own appetites and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of what? The naive. Who are the naive? Those who don't understand the word of God. Turn over to Titus chapter 1. Titus is on the island of Crete and he's, he's strengthening the church there. And, and Paul writes to Titus. And he says in, in verse 10, in Titus 1 in verse 10, he says, For there are, there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party, verse 11, they must be silenced. Why must they be silenced? Because they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be, what, sound in faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. You flip back one page and, or a few pages back in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says it to Timothy as well. He says the same thing. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, constant friction among people who are depraved in the mind and what? Deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. In John, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, he, he gives us a warning. In Jude chapter 1, he gives us a warning. Well, look at those in a second. Peter gives us a warning. Church, we must be warned about false teachers. Over and over and over again, they are around. They will continue to be around until Jesus returns. Their arrival is assured. You say to me, it's as it says there, but false prophets arose, and then it says false teachers arose. What are we talking about when we say a false, a false prophet? What we're talking about here is when it comes to a prophet, a prophet of the Old Testament, they had one job, and their one job was to speak for God to the people. You say, what's the difference? There's a prophet, and there's a priest. So a prophet would get a message from God, and God would speak. And that person would speak on behalf of God to the people. A priest would turn their back to the people, receive the message from the people, and he would deliver that message to God. And so what a prophet would do is he would take the words of God and give them to the people. In Exodus chapter 4 and verses 14 to 16, it speaks of this, this very thing. In Deuteronomy 5, 5, it talks about the prophet being a mediator between God and man. And what the prophet is, is a representation of God who speaks the very oracles of God. They're a spokesman of God. And as I said, once there was one true prophet, there immediately followed false prophets after them. And what makes a, a false prophet so dangerous is that they look ever so closely to what a real prophet looks like. Their message sounds similar. Their passion is infectious. Their following is often massive. 
But I want to show you something, and if you would, turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. Again, we're just starting to, to unpack these false prophets. In Jeremiah chapter 23, the Lord speaks to these false prophets. As Jeremiah was a prophet of God. the ones who would not speak for God. In Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 1, it says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. He goes on and he starts talking about these people who, who are not the true shepherds, but are false prophets. In fact, if you allow your eye to drop down to verse 9, it says concerning the prophets. My heart is broken within me and all my bones shall shake. I'm like a drunken man, like a, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words, for the land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse of the land, it mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their, their course is evil and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house, I have found it evil. Therefore, their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall, for I will bring disaster upon him in the year of the punishment, declares the Lord. In the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavoring thing. They prophesied about Baal and led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from this evil, and they have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them with bitter food and will give them poisoned water to drink from the prophets of Jerusalem. Ungodliness has gone out into all their land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, here it is, verse 16, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows in his own heart, they say, no disaster will come upon you. What's the description then of a false prophet? They give you vain hope. Hey, everything's okay. Everything is fine. Everything is wonderful. Positive thinking all the time when the reality is this. Disaster and calamity and judgment is coming when the Lord returns, and you need to get your life right now. He goes on and he says, For among them stood in the counsel of the Lord, verse 18, to see and hear his word, and who pay attention to his word, and who listen. Behold, the storms of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, the whirling tempest that will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back, for his executed execute and accomplish the intention of the heart in the latter days you will understand it clearly and he says this i did not send the prophets i did not send these false prophets i did not speak to them he goes on and he says this verse 30 Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets of the Lord's who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets of the Lord's who use their tongues and declare 
uh, and declare, declares the Lord, or thus says the Lord, behold, I am against those prophesying lying dreams, declares the Lord, who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or charge them, so they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. Jeremiah makes it very clear to us that these false prophets were not commissioned by God, that these false prophets were immoral, they were profane, they prophesy out of their own hearts, they often pretend to dream dreams, they pretend to have visions from God. These people lead others into error, they make you to actually forget the promises of God. They teach words that are not from God. They deprave you of the word of God and of the truth, and they teach sin. And this is what Peter is warning his readers and his listeners about. There was false prophets then that God did not approve of, and there are false teachers today that God did not approve of. God did not send those messengers And it's clearly defined here, twice he says it, they're false prophets, they're false teachers. This word in the Greek, it's actually one word that means an untrue, lying, wicked teacher. A lying, wicked instructor, a, a master of words who speaks falsehood. They parade themselves around as Christians, they parade themselves around as pastors, evangelists, board members, but what they're doing is teaching false, false doctrine. In fact, the method of their teaching is this, is to follow wherever the applause of the crowd would lead them. A characteristic of the false prophet is that he tells men what they want to hear and not the truth that they need to hear. What's going to give me the crowd? What's going to bring me the applause? What's going to have more people? I'll just keep telling them what they want to hear, what they want to hear, and not actually what they need to hear. Their teaching is defined as those who teach no doctrine at all. And many people follow them. Men and women succumb to this untrue, deceitful, wicked lying. And it is destroying their lives. We just read it in, in Titus 1. This is why we have to be so careful about false prophets and false teaching. is because they are literally ripping families apart. And he says to the elders, go and silence these men. They're tearing apart families. Peter even tells us in 2 Peter, if you look in 2 Peter, he, he describes them, uh, if you look in 2 Peter 2, verse 12, he calls them irrational animals. That false teachers are creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters in which they are ignorant. Jude says that they pervert the grace of God. They're flatterers, they're beasts, they're loudmouth boasters. They show favoritism. And false teachers, listen, are at the front of the parade. They are the grand marshal marching people straight into hell. 
John MacArthur says this. He says, false teachers are dangerous. They are clever. You're better off to embrace a cobra. You'd be better off to crawl into bed with a hungry lion. You're better off to drink a bottle of poison and to come near a false prophet. Those things touch the body. False prophets violate and pervert the mind. They are not what appears, but they are ravenous wolves. And I get it. We're on social media and we love to see these pithy little quotes by all these pastors and we think it's great and we think it's wonderful and we're like, oh, look at these, look at these false teachers that are on, online and wow, look at this following and there's just kind of this enticing and a, and a drawing to them and we think they must be doing something right because they've got all these people. They've amassed all, all these people around them. But the reality is this. With every drop, with every quote, with every song that is entering into our mind that is not bringing us closer to God, it is an opportunity for Satan to deceive you and pull you away from the truth. It's empty words and flattery. They're ravenous wolves. Like I said, what makes them so hard to, to find at times and makes them so hard to, to point out at times is because they look just like everybody else. In fact, Jesus warned us against this. Look, look with me in Matthew chapter 7. I know we're doing a lot of turning in our Bibles this morning, but I feel like it's important for you guys to see this for yourselves. Matthew 7 and verse 15, we'll, we'll come back to this over the weeks to come. It says this in verse 15. Beware of the false prophets who come, what? In sheep's clothing. They come in sheep's clothing. False prophets come looking just like a real prophet. And where are they? They're, they've gone into the, the sheep pen. They're shepherds. And many times it's hard to to recognize the difference between a true teacher and a false teacher because of the disguise that they wear, because of the way that they talk. They talk like everybody else. Well, well of course they do, because no false preacher is going to stand up and go, hey, guys, uh, I've got a lot of uh, false teaching I'm about to share with you. No false teacher announces they're a false teacher. No false teacher has a sign on their back that says, I'm the heretic. No, they, they look just like everybody else. They look the part. They talk the part. They sound the part. And Jesus says that, that they come in sheep's clothing, but then immediately says in verse 15, but inwardly, on the inside, they're, they're ravenous wolves. And they're men who are not to be entertained. They're not well-intentioned. They're dangerous. They want to infiltrate your thinking through words of flattery and emotion, through lies and deceptions, through pithy statements that are about as deep as a birdbath, yet so dangerous to your souls. They don't care about your destiny. They don't care about anything other than your money and their status and what's in it for them. We can't think for a second that listening to them or entertaining them or valuing them is of any good to us. 
So Peter says to us, they're here. They're here. And we must be vigilant. We must know this. Let me give you the second point then is this. Not only is their arrival assured, but secondly is their strategy is subtle. Their strategy is subtle. Look what it says next. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Where are these false teachers? Well, they're in churches. They're online. They're writing books. They're making podcasts. They're scattered throughout social media. They're on church boards. They're on school boards. You say, how did they get in? How did they get there? Well, they did it in secret. Look over with me, if you would. Turn to the right to Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1, because he has the same, a same warning. And Jude chapter, or, or, there's only one chapter in Jude. I don't know why I was saying chapter 1. If I said chapter 2, that would be a problem. In verse 3, it says, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Here it is, verse 4. For certain people have what? Crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. How do they come in? They come in unnoticed. Look over with me. Turn to, to Acts 20 now. Acts 20 in verse 28. The Apostle Paul is speaking here to the, the church in Ephesus. In verse 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. They're going to come in and they're not going to what? They're not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things. To do what? To draw away the disciples after him. Therefore, be alert. Be alert. In 2 Corinthians 11, it says a, a similar thing there. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. But turn over with me to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. One more. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says this. Yet because of false brothers, what does it say? Secretly brought in, who have slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. False teachers come in secret. They don't announce their arrival. They come in not from the outside, but they come in from the inside. It's an inside job. They come into small groups. They come into Christian schools. They come into seminaries. 
They come into Bible studies. They come eventually into the pulpit, and they come in with their smooth talk, their, per, their persuasive, flattering words. They gain respect. They gain prestige. They rise to power. They gain a following, and we can't be naive and willing to let all who believe whatever they want to believe, whatever they want to say, be put into positions of power. Similar to a boat on the open sea, if you're off just one degree, eventually that boat is entirely sideways. And this is what happens. Slowly, methodically, the Christian school, the church, places on their board someone who wants to deceive the people. It becomes Christian in name, but not in character becomes Christian in name, but not in worship. It becomes Christian in name, but not in practice. One leader infects the entire board, the entire staff, the entire leadership. It infects the pulpit, and then it infects the congregation. And this happens when doctrine is compromised. We'll just want, let one little doctrine slide. And then one little doctrine turns to two little doctrines, it turns to three little doctrines, and then finally, the stance is to take no stance at all. Let's teach more culture and less Bible, and let's do it in the name of love, let's do it in the name of acceptance, let's do it in the name of preparing the people, let's do it in the name of we've got we've to prepare our people for what the culture is, so let's teach them about the culture, prepare them about the culture, let's teach them about what love truly is, let's go out and let's, let's reach the lost, and we need new methods to reach the lost, and to do that, we need less Bible, and we need more love and acceptance. Let's modify the bylaws, let's modify our teaching. Let's modify the Bible to fit the culture. And when you do that, church, listen, the, cult, the culture then leads the church and not Christ. And Peter says this, back in Peter, or 2 Peter verse 16, we didn't follow these cleverly devised myths. We don't follow the way of false prophets. We don't follow the way of false teaching. We follow the inspired word of God. Look at this, listen to this quote by William McDonald. He says this, these false teachers take their place inside the church. They pose as ministers of the gospel. This is what makes the pearl so great. If they came right out and said they were atheists or agnostics, people would be on guard. But they are masters of deception. They carry the Bible and use orthodox expressions, though using them to mean something entirely different president of, of a liberal theological seminary acknowledged the strategy as follows. Churches often change convictions without formally renouncing views to which they were previously committed. And their theologians usually find ways of preserving continuity with the past through reinterpretations. And so Peter says this, we've got to we got to know what's happening around us. we got to know that these people 
are teaching things that are contrary to the word of God that aren't actually concerned about God. They're not actually concerned about doctrine. They're not actually concerned about worship and they're not actually concerned about you. No results in that then is what you get in 2 Peter or in 2 uh, Timothy chapter 4 when Paul said to Timothy that you're going to have people who are just going to stand up there and all they want to do is tickle ears. And there's no shortage on false teachers because Satan has been recruiting them since the very beginning. He says you want fame, you want popularity, you want prestige, you want masses. Go and deceive the naive followers of Jesus Christ. Pull them all into a building, make it super emotional, give them a bunch of goosebumps, and then say absolutely nothing to them and send them on their way. Make them come back because they had such an emotional high. Peter warns us. Let me just give you the next five points here. And we'll go over these in the, in the coming weeks. Number three is this, is their doctrine is dis- destructive. Their pattern is popular. Their ministry is maligning. Their purpose is profit. And their penalty is pending. Like I said, in the coming weeks, we'll continue to flesh this out. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this reminder. I think, Lord, I believe that our church wants to be on guard against these things. I know that to be true. So sometimes it feels like we're just saying things that we've already heard or being warned of things that we already are concerned about. Lord, we're so thankful that you sent us Jesus Christ, the true shepherd. And if we're ever in doubt of what is a false teacher and what is a false prophet, we have Christ to compare that against. One who loves us and cares for us and wants our best. One who is a comforter, a guide. One who reveals truth. So Lord, I I do pray for our church that we would have our spiritual antennas up in regards to the false prophets and false teachers that are around us. That we'd be willing to stand for truth. Be willing to not entertain the the words of flattery, the lies and the deceptions, but that we would desire the very word of God. That you would give us a hunger for the truth. Help us to grow in our knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. Help us to grow in our understanding of of salvation. Help us to be alert. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.